So it's been said that trying to organize anything with Bitcoiners is like herding cats. And I can certainly attest to that. Today's guests actually decided to go and herd a lot of cats by organizing Australia's first Bitcoin-only conference last year, Bitcoin Alive. And so it's coming up again this year. Bitcoin Alive 2024 is on the 23rd of March, and it's going to be bigger and better than ever, according to these fellas. And so I was like, let's have a chat. I wanted to actually hear the origin story and let people sort of just get to know a little bit about the people behind the conference, because there's a lot of work that goes into it. But as an attendee, you rock up, you listen to some of the chats, you walk around and chat to your mates, you're in like the sort of Bitcoin honeymoon dream, and then you go. But these fellas are making it all happen behind the scenes. So I think you'll enjoy today's conversation. What I will say is if you haven't got your tickets, there's still time. Head on over to BitcoinAlive.io and then use this promo code. It'll get you a little little bit of a discount from what I understand. Ricky Martin. Yes, Living La Vida Loca, that sort of fella. Literally use the code and see what happens. Maybe there's a surprise. I don't know. But either way, they'll know I sent you. So that'll be rad. All right, friends, enjoy the show. And I hope to see you guys at the conference. Which one's the best crypto asset? Well, Bitcoin's the best crypto asset. Okay. What's the second best? There is no second best. There is no second best crypto asset. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Why Bitcoin Show. I'm your host, Dale Warburton. It's a weekly podcast on why Bitcoin matters and what makes it completely different to all other cryptocurrencies. If you're interested in Bitcoin and you'd like to distill crypto fact from fiction, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Why Bitcoin Show, boys. I have got Dylan and Chris from Bitcoin Alive in the house. Welcome to you both. Hey, Dale. Stoked to chat to you guys. Let's start off with the beginning. Because I don't know the story about how you guys got together and decided to do this. I've chatted to Chris in one of my earlier episodes about the Bitcoin uh, Alive story. And I'd encourage listeners to go and have a, a listen to that. But how did you guys as a pair decide to actually go and pull the trigger and start Australia's first Bitcoin conference, as it were? We 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 used to have, you know, we've had bush bashes but i think those are maxi affairs and this is now a more mainstream bitcoin only conference and it took some balls so i'd love to hear that story yeah sure um so i guess when did it happen mid mid 2022 roughly you know everyone in i'm sure a lot of your listeners are in the various um telegram groups bitcoin sydney and uh, all the other major cities of australia everyone uh had been talking about how we needed a um bitcoin conference for a while and i also wanted that to happen so i was part of that conversation and and so was chris there was a kind of spin-off group that formed out of that and you know one thing led to another and calls were arranged and and meetings and um discussions progressed and at the end of the day it turned out that uh myself chris and my partner jess who is a uh, professional event manager I guess we were the last ones standing who were who were kind of ready and still there, willing to commit and um, take the risk. Uh, like you said, there was a fair bit of risk involved. Um, we had to fund it all ourselves and, and take that initial risk, but we thought that uh, the market was there and we thought that, you know, 
we knew that there was enough people in Australia who needed uh, a Bitcoin conference to make it work. Absolutely. I mean, and the thing is, it's it's not as if at the time that you guys went ahead and you know ran the conference that the the market was absolutely pumping. I mean, it's not obvious that that's going to be an easy sell. And so there certainly was a lot of risk there. I guess- it was arguably the middle of a bear market. So you're yeah. right. Yeah, it was a pretty terrible time to do it. But historically, that's actually been my favorite time to get stuff done. And you'll hear that echoed by a few other Bitcoiners around who have been here a few cycles. They kind of like the peace and the quiet, so to speak, of the uh, of the bear market where you know the lunacy and all the stupidity is kept somewhat quieter um, as opposed to a bull market of course where things get absolutely bonkers um, and it's really hard to stay focused with all the noise and all that sort of stuff so i actually mm -hmm. prefer building stuff in in bear markets just because you've got a little bit more clarity yes okay some things are harder of course as well because interest levels are not, not quite there um, more broadly speaking <clears throat> so trying to run, run a mainstream conference where you want lots of attendees and lots of sponsors and lots of participants is really hard when the interest levels are not quite as high as what they would be if the price was up but you get what you get and you kind of got to roll with the punches and <clears throat> that's the the beauty of running a bitcoin business is you get to understand that cycle and you kind of get in the groove with it and yeah we're i'm, I'm really stoked with how our first year went and it, it it was a lot of risk. I can still vividly remember the first time Dylan and I and a couple of others, I think there was like five of us on a phone call, the five that kind of got to the end of the, the telegram group conversations and thought, okay, maybe now it's time to step it up to a phone call. So we all got on a video call. I was actually on holidays in Queensland in, in uh, your hometown or home state, I should say, Dale. And yeah, it was, I can still vividly remember that phone call where actually Dylan and Jess presented like a little bit of a pitch, uh, which was totally unexpected. I didn't, I didn't think that, that we would have gotten that far, but they had like a little presentation made where they chose a venue, which turned out to be the venue that we actually run Bitcoin Alive at. Um, so it's a little bit nostalgic just thinking back on it, even though it's only like 18 months ago, what we managed to do. It feels like a lot longer. Yeah, the amount of work and effort that went into year one was crazy just because we didn't have so much time for it. Like we only really had four months wow. from sort of deciding, okay, yep, the three of us are doing this to actually delivering the event, which is, you know, absolute suicide. But thankfully we didn't, you know, sort of, uh, we came out the other end, which is good. But now with you two, we obviously have a lot longer, which is nice. And we've put in a lot of the foundation work on the band, on the brand, on the conference. Um, yeah. you know, we've got all the all the back end stuff where we we know how to build agendas and all the things that we basically had to learn for the first time putting on a conference. We've done that learning and we've kind of absorbed that. And now we can take all that into year two, have a lot better of a head start, and obviously deliver hopefully what people think is an even awesome, uh, more awesome end product. Totally. I will add on the on the backstory that the idea of a of a conference in Australia has been floating around the Bitcoin Sydney uh, meetup group for a number of years, and uh, <laughs> it always came down to, from what I hear, it always came down to the thought that to get these international speakers to come all the way to Australia and to get people interested to come all the way to Australia and to to take that financial risk was was um, just a bit too much um but yeah just needed to to do it right and and just yeah. just pull the trigger yeah exactly screw it just do it and yeah. it's so weird when people like overseas i mean i'll put myself included have you know having migrated here you think of australia it's like 
it couldn't be further than anywhere else. Do you know what I mean? And it's it's a real schlep to get across here, and it's it's a proper proof of work. So when when you know when I saw um, old Knut at the last one, I just was like, my God, yeah, there was a wonderful rabbit to put out of the hat because yeah i mean you know he he certainly had made quite a splash with some of his work and it was awesome to see him there tell us a little bit about like the you know there's unsung heroes and there's you know unknown challenges and that that attendees like myself are just not really across like i'm just walking around saying you know what's up to my mates enjoyed some of the prezos but for the most part was just having a laugh with some of my closest mates in the space so tell us about some of the challenges and and potentially some of the the things that went wrong in the in the back end that people had no clue about but you guys managed to continue anyway it is very much like that when you're not on the inside um you don't really have any ideas as to what goes on to put this thing together i think thankfully and i maybe dylan and jess would have slightly differing opinions because we're each doing slightly different things on the actual day of bitcoin alive from my perspective, not a lot really went wrong at all, which is kind of a shock because I wouldn't be surprised mm -hmm. if I said, oh, here, here's a list of 10 things that went wrong on year one. And, you know, but I think we managed to, to slap it all together pretty well. And for the couple of hundred people that were there last year, um, hopefully they think the same and have told a few people and maybe we'll have a couple hundred more um, for this year's event. But yeah, for, for me, I don't think any, anything really went wrong. Like the, the kind of totality of everything that you've got to do is probably like the biggest challenge. And that's maybe a bit of a cop out is, but like the collection of all the work, like especially year one, when you don't have that, that groundwork laid, <clears throat> you know, understanding how conversations with speakers go, you know, we had 30 plus speakers last year, that's 30 speakers that actually got onto the bill. You can think about how many more that, perhaps didn't make it or we had conversations with and it didn't just didn't work out yeah. so you know our basic standard policy was to have a video call just like this podcast not recorded of course but a video call with everyone speaking at bitcoin alive so we you know got to meet them they got to meet us they got a feel for our what we're trying to do like a lot of dd i guess you could say and just making sure that the right people are involved and you know that's just one element and that's a challenge in its own right you got to replicate that again now with sponsors and then you got to be thinking about attendees what do they want so i'm glad to hear your feedback was that you were just walking around enjoying yourself having a good time and and not really noticing everything because that's ultimately that means we got our job done that yeah. means you know people didn't see the duct tape and and the things holding up the walls because you know we held them up sufficiently enough so they didn't come down crumbling. But you know thanks thanks Dale thanks for for being a part of it and, and for attending last year. Like at the end of the day, the event was always made to to please Bitcoiners and to be that time of year where we can all get together from you know this big country. Uh, to what you said earlier about the proof of work involved with um, coming to to Bitcoin Alive. And, you know shout out to Kanoda his shirt on at the moment <clears throat> you know he put he put in the work and he made the effort to come all the way to australia somewhere he's never been before uh, and he absolutely loved it i think he you know i'm paraphrasing but he, he quoted on twitter just a, a week or two ago that you know it was the most fun he had ever had on stage at bitcoin alive so that's a huge like compliment yeah. to us is that you I, know, i'm just laughing because i remember that that's that's so <laughs> well and uh yeah, that 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 presentation and there yeah. was certainly a few laughs in there i won't uh i won't go into detail there but Oh, well, look, if you want to catch up on it, it's on our YouTube. So like there head over go. to our YouTube channel and check out the, the Bitcoin is Alive panel, which was um, hosted by myself and with 
with a couple of fantastic minds, including Knut, and it got a bit silly. But <clears throat> again, that's like that's what we want to do. We want to create like experiences and moments for people that necessarily can't be replicated, you know, by listening to a podcast or by um, watching a cinema or, or, or just you know doing some random YouTubing or whatever it is. Like you know, Bitcoin Live is special in the sense that it connects us physically, but then you know it brings together all those great minds in that one room, and we just think that you know put everything together in one mixing bowl and you're going to get yourself a pretty good cake at the end of it. And, you know, that's yeah. what we got. That's what we got with 2023. And we're hoping we can add some more flour and more, more yeast and this cake can grow even bigger for 2024. Cause um, yeah, we got some really exciting things planned. Some things we can't say, unfortunately yet, but we are getting close to being able to say it, which is really exciting. Awesome. And you know what, just for those who haven't attended and whatnot, what is the overall goal and objective here for you guys? Like, what would you regard as a success? Not necessarily in terms of number of attendees. Perhaps I'll throw this one to Dylan. Like, what do you reckon? Uh, success, I think, would be a day full of Bitcoin conversations where we, you know, explore Bitcoin with the lens that we as Bitcoiners have that we know in depth and to show that to the outside world. Uh, so one of the key reasons we um, wanted to put on a Bitcoin conference in Australia was because uh, at the time in 2022, if you looked at the landscape, there was a whole bunch of crypto conferences, Web3 conferences and DeFi and all of that blockchain, whatever. And these people, these conferences were drawing thousands of people with, you know, thousands of exhibitors and sponsors trying to sell you the newest dog token. But there was nowhere like, so if you, if you were a newbie to the space and you wanted to go to a physical event, sure, you could go to Bitcoin meetups, um, but you'd have to, to find them. What we wanted to do was present a Bitcoin only uh, conference to the wider world to say that, look, there are these hundreds if not thousands of people in australia who care only about bitcoin and are happy to just disregard the rest of that stuff as pure noise so you should come uh and join us and hear from us why we think bitcoin is the signal so i think that would be success if so one of the key goals of bitcoin alive is to bring people in from outside of just bitcoiners we want uh, no coiners and you know crypto people and and financial media and everyone is welcome to come to Bitcoin Alive to learn about Bitcoin and kind of expand their thoughts beyond the the headline kind of fud. Yeah, totally. And I think you know inevitably what you'll find in the early days of a conference as it evolves, like in the early days you'll see okay it's like seventy percent Bitcoiners, thirty percent like you know I guess Joe Public. Joe or Jane or whatever the case may be. And then, you know, as the years progress, that dynamic shifts quite dramatically. Uh, and then, you know, if you look at something like, you know, Miami or Bitcoin Miami or Nashville or whatnot, they'd expect, you know, in the vicinity of 15,000 people, 20,000 people, you know, and they come from all different walks of life and it all started very small. So it's going to be quite interesting to see, given what's happening right now, with a whole bunch of exciting stuff in Bitcoin, which I'd love to get your guys' take on, you know, with obviously you've got the ETFs coming, that's going to thrust Bitcoin front and center in the mainstream consciousness. We've got the halving coming up. Um, and just remind me of the date of the conference. Saturday, 23rd of March. Yeah. All right. So it's just before that halving. 
And it's yep. quite likely that we're going to see some reasonable price appreciation between now and then, just given the dynamics of the ETF play that we think's at, you know, um, that's on the go. So I suspect that we, you guys are going to get a lot more interest than I guess in the sleepy bear. And it's, yeah, it's, it's really good to see, man. I must say like the feedback that myself and others gave Chris and the team broadly speaking was like, it was a real success. Uh, it was wonderful to see all the Bitcoiners just really embrace it and support it. I think the diversity of topics was really interesting. And I suppose the question I'd have then around the specific topics would be like, how are you guys thinking about this content? Because you're going to have a diverse group of people that range in expertise from, you know, absolute noobs to, you know, experts. Uh, let's, let's call the security experts of the world, the Catans of the world, um, <laughs> you know, who's not going to go there and learn anything. <laughs> and then you've got like people just coming in fresh and, you know, not even sure what private key is all about. So, uh, you know, how does one try and strike that balance with the mix? So what, what have you guys got in store for us this year? Yeah, that's a really great question, Dale. And it's one that we spend a lot of time thinking about on, on our side of the fence. Look, you're right. You're never going to be able to please everyone. And we know that. And we've only got a, you know so so much time with a single day conference. Um, so, you know, we can't cover everything. We can't cover everything that we want to cover for as long enough. But we try our best to strike that balance. To what you mentioned earlier, and you know, I would consider you to be somewhat of a seasoned Bitcoiner. Perhaps maybe you don't think yourself as that, but in terms, you know, we're all at our own levels of technical understanding. And Katan will be at Bitcoin Alive, and Katan will be doing the teaching. So um, definitely check into Katan's uh, workshop this year. Um, shout out to him for all the great work he does. But what we found is most of the Bitcoiners just want to get together and hang out. You know, the 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 content itself tends to almost be like secondary to the fact that they're just getting together and they're hanging out and having conversations, they're sharing hugs, they're shaking hands, they're having beers, they're having laughs, they're playing pool, whatever it is that they're doing, they're hanging out and they're having, you know, the kind of conversations that they want to have and they find their place, you know, they dip into the conference when there's something that's super relevant for them. And then they meet up with some friends that they haven't seen for months and there goes 45 minutes chatting and, and laughing. So you know, that's what most Bitcoiners who have been to conferences before, at least Bitcoin or other style conferences, they just want to get together. So for everyone else who are, you know, I guess maybe the newbies or come from a different angle, like Dylan was explaining before, some financial media or something like that, like obviously they're coming to perhaps meet some people and make some friends, hopefully. But I suspect the primary reason is they're coming for the content. So we need to make sure that we're gearing a lot of the content towards them to keep them engaged. So it is tricky. It's a tricky balance because we, of course, want to make sure that we're covering the topics that we want to cover and, you know, some level of uh, selfishness, you know, as organizers of the conference, we we put together a lot of the stuff behind the scenes. So mm -hmm. the responsibility does lie with us to, to try to please a lot of different crowds. And hopefully we've, we get a decent balance across the board. We've got a little bit more room in terms of the content and the program for this year compared to last year, we've expanded to a, a third stage. So there's going to be a workshop stage, which is going to be a little bit more informal and a bit more hands-on. So, you know, like I just said earlier, Katana will be running a workshop. So he'll be in there for 
a lot longer of a time frame than what a normal session would be on another stage. And he'll be, you know, breaking down whatever his workshop topic is in a bit more of an intimate kind of arena. So there will be more opportunities for different styled experiences for Bitcoin Alive. <clears throat> um, that too, on that token of experiences, like not just the content, we want to make it fun and we want to make the crowd have memories that perhaps they wouldn't have elsewhere. And so mm. there's perhaps a whole lot we can't say at the moment, but I can beat around the bush a little bit. But, you know, we'll have some live performances that are different of nature. So perhaps Ricky musical... Martin is going to appear or something. Ricky Martin, is that what you said? <laughs> The yeah, South yeah, African Ricky Martin might appear. Oh, sorry. Yeah, the South African Ricky Martin. Yeah, he'll be on stage. <laughs> Living a Viva Bitcoin or something. <laughs> there we go. Oh. But yeah, like we, we want to we want to be able to, you know, offer people value for their money and, and you know, have experiences that perhaps they wouldn't be able to get online or in or in local meetups or, or stuff like that. So trying to fit all that into the program as well. That's already stretched. You know, one of the big feedback we got from last year was everyone was at the Content was great. The speakers were fantastic, but we would have just liked them to go for a bit longer. Yeah, like we had basically we had two minute changeover times on the main stage last year, which was absolutely nuts. Like even our show call of the morning of the event told us we're absolutely mad to have only two minutes between. And I was like, look, girl, it's we've only got an hour till we open these doors. We can't change anything now. We're running with two minutes. Hold on, because. Uh, you know, we're, we're in for a ride and everything was absolutely smooth. Like no one went over. We didn't have to cut things short, go over time here or any of that, which is very, very common for, for conferences. Like pretty much every conference I've gone to, you go to a session, you're like, why is the session before still going? It should have been over by now. And like, obviously things are running late. Um, so, you know, again, these are the challenges that we had to, to come up against, but somehow we managed to like kick all those goals really well. But yeah, I think I've babbled on for enough now. Perhaps Dylan might have some thoughts to fill in some gaps. Yeah, I'll just uh, add to that. Um, shout out to Jess. I think that's one of the main reasons why we were able to pull that off. Um, 100%. She, she's a professional uh, event manager. This is her full-time job she's been doing for 15 years. So without her, we'd be totally lost. <laughs> um, perhaps Bitcoin would not be alive without Jess. Let's yeah. put it that way. <laughs> Bitcoin. Uh, no <laughs> We definitely uh, learned a lot of lessons from from last year's event, uh, and those will definitely um, include into into this year's event. And yeah, we'll like Chris said, we'll have three stages now. So we'll have the main stage where we'll have more kind of in depth panel like discussions on on a mixture of the topics of the day and and the evergreen kind of content, um, like things like why Bitcoin, why Bitcoin, not shitcoin, right? Why are we here? So that's that's the type of stuff we want to really get into in the morning and be as kind of like a welcome welcome to Bitcoin for anyone who who isn't quite as familiar as we are with the reasons why we only care about Bitcoin. Then we've got a uh, a second stage which um, will be a bit bigger than than last year's event, which will have more targeted kind of presentations, uh, maybe fireside chats, and we'll have a, a third stage like Chris mentioned for workshop style content. Cool. That's awesome. And they were, I'm imagining for the workshops, you'll do stuff like, you know, how to set up a wallet and all that jazz, just the stuff that a lot of newbies kind of like, and even seasoned people like yeah. just don't necessarily understand. I mean, I'll just come out and say, listen, I did not know how to go and do the whole roll your dice and create your own wallets out of scratch. I was just trusting the entropy of any wallet provider there was like, you know, whoever they might be. So 
that kind of stuff, learning from the ground up, learning from first principles, definitely mm. learning why Bitcoin or crypto. I mean, that's that's the show here. You know, I, <laughs> I've uh, I've I've ranted and raved about my experience in shitcoin world, and uh, yeah, it's it continues to rear its ugly head. And um, I've noticed also a lot of these crypto influencers have almost just um, quietly tried to get their followers to forget that they were promoting all sorts of shit in the last cycle and have embraced Bitcoin. No doubt the narrative will shift, you know, quite dramatically and they'll hop on Boink or Dog or whatever the next thing is as soon as that becomes available. So it's so critical for us to have something that is just Bitcoin only and that's really promoting it. And, you know, also just to go back to something you were saying, Dylan, like shout out to Jess because in my experience, working with Bitcoiners, getting Bitcoiners together and trying to do anything is like herding cats. And I say that with respect, but it's really hard. There's too many cooks in the kitchen. Everyone's got an opinion and it just like things don't get done. I mean, I try to arrange a bush bush bash and there was just so many opinions until eventually I just said, fuck it. I am going to book this location. And then it turns out I was two days late to my own events. But, um, <laughs> but you that's know, like, so that's what happens. Someone organized. Yeah, that's what happens when when uh, you don't have a CEO, right? The yeah. Bitcoin doesn't have any CEO. So uh, we, we have to kind of just do our best. Um, like Chris said, we can't please everyone. What we want to do is kind of, you know present present what what the discussion is and then try to have have that discussion live on stage um you know we're to be clear we're not going to be have having people on stage arguing in favor of dogecoin that's completely out of the question but like you said in bitcoin maybe from the outside it seems like we're all this cult and we all agree and move on mass but from the inside it really feels like we can't agree on anything like there's, there's no agreement anywhere there's there's constant minor and major arguments in in many many topics uh so those are the things we want to kind of explore maybe that's but, a feature not a bug though right exactly yeah that's, yeah. that's right because because there is no there is no um top-down architecture of, of there's uh, no leader so it can't yeah. be a cult by definition <laughs> yeah it's a cultless leader oh, a, a leaderless cult sorry rather. yes um, there we go yeah and i think you know what you, you bring up something interesting because there's so many there's so much like especially in the last three months i've got this distinct feeling that we are fighting amongst ourselves too much like and i mean i feel like we're in a family and we're bickering a lot and it just strikes me sometimes as being a bit silly, but in some ways it's almost necessary. And let's just use one example. And uh, it's something that I can relate to and something that you've put out there previously, Dylan, was um, something about like running a node is hard. And some people go like, listen, you know, and I'm not giving Katon shit here. I'm the last person to give him shit, but it'd be like, he often comes out and goes, look, you know, driving a manual car is hard. And he'll go, look, look at all these challenging things we're doing. Like mothering is hard. Like being a mother, being a parent is hard. Like, you know, holding your own keys is nothing. Running a node is nothing relative to these things. And like at a high level, I certainly agree. The, the, the key question though is like, most people don't have the inclination or the time to put into a lot of these things that some of us, perceive as being important some don't so you know i don't know uh, that that's something that i've thought about like what are your thoughts around like you know just running like a node as an example or or something like that 
Yeah, I, th I think um, it's not a binary thing, really. Like a lot of these things are exist on a spectrum. Like holding your keys, there is, or you know, Bitcoin custody, there is a spectrum from ETF exchange holding your own keys on a mobile wallet or hardware wallet uh, or multi-sig, you know, it's, it's full spectrum. So I think most Bitcoiners would agree that the first step for someone new to Bitcoin is not a two or three multi-sig with different hardware vendors. The first step is to move along that spectrum. So as long as people are moving towards where they want to be and learning as they go, I think that's good. And the same thing exists for running a node, right? You can run a pruned node using Spectre on your on any computer. So that's a good first step. And you can interact with a hardware wallet using that. If you want to go to the next step, maybe you could get one of these node providers, software OS to, to install on a Raspberry Pi or buy something like an Umbral. That's the next step. And then the next step after that is installing your own node from scratch uh, using Ubuntu and and Bitcoin Core and Electrum. And that's the step that I'm at and that I'm having a little bit of complications with. It's not the thing that I would recommend <laughs> right away. And I, I don't think that this is what, you know, we're not going to have every person who, we're not going to have every person in the world doing this. It's just the truth. Very few people are going to spin up a Bitcoin node from scratch using the the command terminal in Ubuntu, but it's available. Yeah, totally. And it's that it's that continual. I mean, it's a Bitcoin mindset where you're continually just trying to upgrade what you're doing. You know, whether it's running a node or your security. And you know, I, I recently did a whole security upgrade, and oh, you know, the the most disheartening part of it all was when um, and this shout out to Pierce who I sort of did it with. It was like, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have to revisit this in the next little while again because things change. And I'm like, oh God, there's nothing that's like you're never there. You don't ever reach like perfection, particularly with the security side of things, because things are growing and developing so quickly that it's not quite like you put your new your system in place today and it's irrelevant within the next month or two. But it's very likely that there'll be a better uh, setup and more optimal setup, shall we say, within a year's time. And so, you know, that's where I start going, well, I mean, you know, when I've, if I've buried them in various places around the earth with GPS coordinates, how sensible is that? Maybe I need something easier. Yeah, no. Well, it's, you know what, Dale? You can come test these ideas once a year at Bitcoin Alive. We'll be, we'll be having definitely discussions on custody specifically, but obviously that's the point, right? We get together once a year here in Australia, all the Bitcoiners, all the Bitcoin mines get together and we have these conversations. We hash out ideas we we work out what is the best kind of storage what is the best scaling solution yeah. we're not going to perhaps solve every issue on that day but you know we'll foster ideas we'll make friends and i've single-handedly seen a number of businesses and a number of podcasts coincidentally or not i don't really care but it's good to see irrespective but i've seen things happen since last year's bitcoin alive like it's good we want to see more Bitcoin related stuff happening in Australia. We've got some incredible Bitcoin startups here already, albeit not many, but we want to see more of them. We want to see more podcasts like yours, Dale. We want to see 
people doing stuff, um, people building on Bitcoin, people adopting Bitcoin. It's fantastic. We're just connecting the dots once a year. You know, the real heroes are all the people out there building the stuff and using Bitcoin and saving in Bitcoin and choosing Bitcoin. So mm. yeah, it's it's awesome that we get to do this uh, once a year. I wanted to see it happen. If it wasn't Dylan and I and Jess doing it, someone else would have taken the baton and ran with it and figured it out eventually. Mm. Um, I guess we got impatient, so we did it. <laughs> totally. No, I, I love that, man. And, and you know what? Like, honestly, there were some some of the topics last year, I think for some people were, uh, you know, paradigm shifting. You know, so, some of them I'd heard already because I had gone to a Bush Bush bash. But like, for example, the idea of a self-managed super, like that planted something in my brain that was like, okay, let's dig a bit deeper here, boy. And I've made the transition, so to speak. And oh my God, I couldn't be more thrilled. Like it's the best, it's it's actually one of my top things that I did last year. And I couldn't be happier because I feel like a free human being. Having a look at what the other supers are doing and how they waste your money, investing in all sorts of terrible horse shit, uh, illiquid property, all sorts of garbage. And they still, you know, clip the ticket, whether it's up or down. So I, I've been, that's like, I took that away and that, well, that's something that people would have taken away from the conference, collaborative custody, all the different ways of holding it from your seed plates to if you've got like big amounts and you want to plan for your future with, you know, bulls and estates and all that, just understanding things from the ground up, like just, that's for me, the most important thing, like somebody coming into the space, we as a group, I feel are sometimes intimidating and i've seen this happen on the telegram channels where a new book come in and i remember one incident where it was like hey guys by the way like fees on okx or this or that and someone was like what the fuck are you doing buying an okx he'd be like <laughs> no, no do you know what i mean so sometimes i think the perception of us is that we are not as welcoming or friendly but i didn't get that perception at all last year i, I really got the perception of everyone was like to the extent there were people that didn't understand things there there were people there to help and yeah. yeah most bitcoiners are like that most bitcoiners are generally helpful of course in person, you know, hey, chris totally i mean the thing is you can you can talk smack behind a keyboard <laughs> you know when you actually get in front of them like i've i've yet to meet like a proper dickhead in the flesh it's only like keyboard warriors yeah i mean look we're all we're all individuals and we all have like differing levels of social comfort let's say so perhaps some of those people simply don't come to to conferences because maybe that's just not their thing uh, and that's totally fair you know but yeah we, we we try to make bitcoin alive really welcoming like dylan mentioned earlier it's open to everyone i think for the most part like you know i have to thank the bitcoiners and everyone that's helped the support that we've had with this initiative to make bitcoin alive a thing and continue making it a thing year on year the support's been incredible from people like yourself dale and, and everyone else that's out that's been out there that's helped in any amount like it's been huge it gives us a, a heap heap more confidence to to do this thing um knowing that especially we've got our support. what was that just want to say especially our attendees like yeah 100 percent. yeah it's kind of an empty room with me and dylan talking about bitcoin which we can just do online um so it's really important that like all of the stakeholders across across the board are you know well looked after that's what this event is built for this event isn't necessarily built to make us into millionaires um hopefully bitcoin just does that organically along the way and we've made the right choice across the board but um mm. yeah we want to we want to serve the community we want to make sure that um, the bitcoiners and those who perhaps aren't yet bitcoiners but 
are open to being or maybe one day will be are all welcomed at Bitcoin Alive for a for an awesome day. Totally. Uh, you know, I think <clears throat> I think 2024 is the year that we and this is not a unique take, but it, we we cross the chasm or chasm however one wants to pronounce it and it becomes more mainstream suddenly now you know as soon as the biggest names in finance in the world are releasing etfs which you know we thought were approved today and will probably be approved this week but if they're not next week or the week after or whatever the case would be you know whether we like it or not wall street is now here suddenly now this is going to i suspect put bitcoin you know, front and center in so many people's minds. And I suppose for for us, we're the early ideological inclined. I know for me, you know, obviously number go up was important, but it was also, it was fuck you go up. Um, I really love the idea of unconfiscatable money. I just thought that was the most magnificent idea that no one can take this from me. And because here's the, here's the interesting thing. So chatted to my dad last night and we're talking all about, you know, what's happening in South Africa and all the sort of thing and capital controls. And I keep just thinking to myself, if I'm just a rogue and I just want to leave South Africa and I don't want to deal with any of the stuff like, you know, estate duty and all these kind of things. I, I wanted to say to my dad, but he wasn't going to, he's not the kind who would appreciate this. I want to say tax these nuts because you're not going <laughs> to touch my Bitcoin because I could just take it. I could just take, you know, whether you got a billion dollars or a million dollars or $10,000, you can literally just ship it across. And so it matters so much to us. That's the point of the discussion here for me, really. It matters so much to us as an ideological group, but I suspect the new crowd and the new wave, and I think we'll see some of those attendees at this year's conference, are going to be less, they're going to just be interested for number go up. They're going to be normie folks. They're going to trust mainstream media to an extent. They needed to see that the water wasn't so cold, you know, in, in the sense that it's like, oh, okay, these multi-trillion dollar asset managers are now saying it's okay. The US regulators said it's okay. You're like, you know, the water's not that cold. So I'm f like, I'd, I'd be interested to get you guys' take on what do you think's going to happen from the cultural perspective, taking into account the fact that, you know, the first Bitcoin Live conference was very much supported by, I guess, 70, 60, 70%, whatever it might be, ideological Bitcoiners. What, what do we think is going to happen in the future with Bitcoin from a cultural perspective? independent of the conference, post-Wall Streetization, if we like? It's a, yeah, that's a tough one and a great question. I think I think the Bitcoin core culture will be preserved because it's still going to remain very extremely difficult to change Bitcoin. And the Bitcoin, the culture of Bitcoin and Bitcoiners has grown up around that, that if you want to change Bitcoin, go ahead, just fork it see what happens like that's that's the reality that may may end up happening we may get some kind of second you know block size war or something that's pushed by a blackrock or whatever but at the end of the day we saw what happened in the first block size war the the people won the people who were running the nodes and holding the keys they're the ones who get to choose what bitcoin is and i think that's going to remain but like you're correct, there's going to be a lot of new people coming into the scene, and and that's that's something that we should celebrate. Um, even if it does, you know, maybe lead to to less less memes or different types of memes 
totally yeah what do you what do you think chris i mean you're, you're a guy who um allegedly hasn't looked at the price for two years and i say allegedly because i just don't know how the hell you miss it like <laughs> unless i don't know every time you see something online you're like whoop it just pretty much that's actually one of the main techniques uh, as you scroll in twitter and yeah. if you see something that resembles a price chart you just you scroll past it before your eyes can lock on like you know where the numbers are so you know where not to look yeah so that's very much like it's like the skin in terms of my like level of protection from checking the price like it's the outer layer it's it's doing doing all the deflecting um <laughs> but yeah you you are right i haven't checked the price for over two years now it's uh since 2021 late 2021 but yeah so for me it, it, it doesn't really matter what what it does it, it's the same level of excitement um every day of the week which is pretty awesome <laughs> but it's it's a very lonely place because i know i'm quite alone in in the fact that you know price is irrelevant it's very much important for 99.9 percent .9 of people that's why i am alone um so mm -hmm. i'm kind of stuck a little bit perhaps in the future or the future that perhaps i want to see and i'm waiting for everyone else to you know, come join me. Should I be, you know, in the right future? Maybe I'm in the wrong one and that's why I'm alone. But um, <laughs> yeah, look, D Dylan's right. I think that, that it all crumbles down to like, does Bitcoin remain like decentralized and not captured? If, yeah. if it can, if it can do that, then it's probably going to always have some level of its core cultural identity, but you would, you would assume as it becomes more popular that it will get watered down as well by more, you know, uh, people who are less uh, philosophical and perhaps cypherpunk principles aren't as important to them uh, as the earlier crowd, the earlier adopters, like, like you know, the hardcore Bitcoiners. Mm. Um, so yeah, it'll be very interesting to see. And I, you know, I'm I'm just one node runner, so <laughs> I'll only have one vote. But yeah, I, I'm pretty confident that it's going to remain pretty damn decentralized. We'll see though. Like it's I I, I kind of use the comparison of the internet. Um, as a like an interesting case study as to mm. how Bitcoin might go through its journey. Yeah. And so you, you know the internet is largely decentralized, but has been captured to a significant extent as well. So you know trying to I'm not an expert in any of this history because you know I'm just a '90s kid, so I grew up with the internet, but I I didn't quite you know I'm not a computer scientist. I, I actually failed that mm. <laughs> and just became an entrepreneur instead. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all pans out. I don't, it lets, I guess, the beauty of Bitcoin Alive is every year we get to have these discussions that are relevant uh, and try to figure these answers out as a collective, right? 100%. I think it is also interesting to see the kind of narrative is definitely starting to change on multiple fronts in the you know mainstream media. A lot of the articles these days begrudgingly admit that bitcoin is here to stay and that it can't be killed and that maybe it is a good thing that we have this digital store of value for people in you know oppressive regimes and and these are things that bitcoiners are like yeah of course we get it but maybe that type of stuff those ideas might start to seep into the every everyday person's mind uh, and on the other front, you, we have the the kind of environmental FUD is is being as soon as it comes out these days, it's immediately shot down by very well researched um, 
you know, articles and rebuttals by the likes of, um, you know, Daniel Batten, for example. Mm. Um, I don't think that these, you know, Bitcoin uses so much energy. Bitcoin uses so much water, which is ridiculous. I don't that was think a good one. <laughs> those arguments aren't like landing anymore. I don't think anyone, you know, they're, they're starting to lose believability because they're mm. just not true, right? So I yeah. think that also is a very important and, and interesting shift in the in the kind of psychological narrative of Bitcoin, which is going to be very interesting when these ETFs get approved, whenever that is, and and if if that does spike the price and lead a lot more people to be interested in it and put it in their portfolios, if it's part of one of their basket of of ETFs, um, yeah, yeah, I think there's a lot of support. For that and and on the volatility side as well i think the higher the, the price goes that's going to probably lead to less volatility so the people who are who have been for all this time concerned about the volatility they may become less concerned and they might just be okay with you know the odd 50 percent drawdown instead of the odd 80 percent. so totally yeah that, that's exactly how it will work i mean it'd just be like yeah, yeah, it's not volatile anymore, bro. But you're just not going to get as much Bitcoin. That's all for your fiat, you know. Because yeah. um, I suppose the way I kind of tend to look at it, and that's why for me, price does matter in the bigger picture. Because the way I'm thinking about it is, okay, there's a total addressable market, and let's say the total addressable market of the entire you know investment universe is 900 trillion. How much can Bitcoin swallow from those different asset classes. And for those of us who are in earlier, we are going to see the biggest gains in purchasing power. And for those who drop later, obviously much less. But I think, you know, as I was explaining to someone yesterday, actually, when I think of Bitcoin's potential, it's the equivalent of Google, Amazon, Facebook, Netflix, Microsoft, NVIDIA combined and more. That's how big their total addressable market is without the execution risk of a market or a, like a, uh, like, you know, a, a company, like things can go wrong with a company. Like Apple was hell for years. This is code. This is, this, this has to do something really simple. It's like, it's 21 million. We know what the supply is and those are the rules. I mean, it's like, it's really quite simple and it's enforced by thousands of people around the world. Only recently discovered mempool.space when those autards were mucking around with all sorts of things in my and just in trying to transfer money off the exchange it was like uh, or bitcoin off the exchange it was hell and then yeah started looking at the number of nodes and it's quite remarkable do you guys have any sig like idea of what how many nodes there might be just out of interest because something like 17 or eighteen thousand i saw there was like the publicly known ones or something like that i think i think a lot of people um, you know it's very difficult to know the answer to this because a lot and possibly most people uh run their nodes over tor so they're not publicly reachable mm. so yeah who knows it could be up to a hundred thousand my understanding was there was like over a hundred thousand nodes but i yeah. can't remember my source so don't you know go fact you should go fact check that obviously I but we might overestimate when we're you know deep inside this twitter bitcoin twitter bubble and think that you know there's so many more of us than there are but i think still there's not we're not few there's a huge amount of nodes around the world totally and now tell me this i mean this again this is a bit of education for me maybe maybe some people listening hopefully i'm sure what happens, what happens if i'm a guy who just has 100 nodes 
and I, you know, I want to support the BlackRock fork. And then BlackRock funds, you know, it goes to like, you know, a neighborhood and says, you know, gives 50,000 people in the neighborhood nodes, uh, gives them a hundred nodes each and, you know, stick them in your basements and this is how you run it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, they all start running. I don't it. think I've ever thought of that before, but I mean, it's you know possible. what I mean? It goes, here's a shitty laptop and it's, it's really no, got no, this no. pre-installed and you just need yeah. to vote for B and not A. I mean, you know, then. <laughs> yeah. but, so I don't what, know. what you're saying is a, a civil attack, but that doesn't really work because what's the purpose of a node? A purpose of a node is to interact with the Bitcoin network and and interacting with the Bitcoin network is receiving and sending Bitcoin. So if you're not receiving and sending Bitcoin through a node, then it's it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter what that node does. You can change the rules however you like on your 100,000 nodes over there. If you don't have the private keys to send Bitcoin through those nodes, then then it doesn't affect the the real Bitcoin. Okay, I need I, mean? I need to research what a civil attack is about because I've heard the it's, phrase. Yeah, that's that's when you just like replicate like what you what you said basically like you spin up a hundred thousand nodes, but those nodes don't matter unless those nodes are receiving and sending Bitcoin. So the the owners of the private keys to the Bitcoin that exists, the nineteen and a half million Bitcoin that exists right now, yeah, those are the people who who control the Bitcoin, and those are the people if if the people who hold those keys if they want to send a transaction or receive a transaction they they need to use a node whether that's their own node or or a node they borrow like a, an exchanges node so that's another reason why you should get your coins off exchanges because if your coins are on ex an exchange then the exchange chooses the rules of their node that you must use but if you hold your own um, keys you get to choose which uh which what code your node runs okay i need to do some more learning nodes i need to up my game just in case i think it is potentially like a an attack vector or something that i need to think about and also just part of i'm three and a half years in this game as it were and it's about time it's a bit um embarrassing so here's a couple of questions for you fellas because you know the three of us are really like ideological bitcoiners uh, we come for, from different places obviously me being an african and i've got my reasons i'd love to hear each of your takes on like why Bitcoin matters to you, like at a deep philosophical level. Because when I think about myself, I want Frankie money so I can make changes in the world that I want to see. Because I believe that wealth can drive change. And I love nature. And that's where I want to put my personal imprint. But Chris, you haven't looked at the price. So, you know, it could be a dollar right now. You know, <laughs> you could you could have a hundred Bitcoin and be you could just have a hundred bucks. And so Tell me about, let's start with Chris. Tell us about why this, why does Bitcoin matter so much to you? And what are your ambitions? I mean, when you know you eventually are going to, you you know, you're going to accrue some good wealth in your lifetime. What do you plan to do with that? Firstly, um, if Bitcoin is at a dollar and you guys have agreed to like go on this podcast for an hour to talk about Bitcoin in, and like everyone's acting fine and, and normal and dandy, like, I would actually start to wonder like who's more crazy. Like I think actually everyone else might be more crazy if they're like, oh, it's like Truman Show stuff now, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it's not at a dollar. If if it is like I don't know, blink twice and I'll go like you know double my DCA or something. But what does it mean to me? Well, look, it means a lot of different things. Like I've been learning about Bitcoin for over a decade now. Um, obviously, you know, there's been many different stages. As, 
of that learning and different levels of understanding and things that have been interesting at different so I'm still learning and I think it evolves over all that time as well um so you know initially I I think I was a little bit of a fuck you kind of teenager growing up I was in a punk band and I was a bit didn't like rules and and the government and not for any particular reason but I guess I was a bit of a rebel and perhaps this isn't like too different from a lot of punk style kids upbringings so like that I think spoke to me initially but you know it wasn't the financial side or the macro side or or even really the technical side that spoke to me initially you know 10 years ago it wasn't probably until about 5 years later down the track that I started to actually get an interest in you know the technical side of it the philosophical side of bitcoin picked up the white paper and did that deep dive and then you know it's all sort of history from there but i think it means to me like so many different things but like you know ultimately it's a, it's a fair fairer system one where we can all engage with the rules knowingly um you know we might wake up tomorrow and suddenly the fed prints another 100 million and up oh, we have to now deal with the consequences of that new money supply um at least tomorrow when i wake up i'm going to know for certain what bitcoin's doing at a fundamental monetary level and so now we can we can build on that we can build businesses on that with that level of assurity on the monetary layer so i think that's really interesting i think people who are much smarter than me are going to figure out and solve these problems and connect all these dots i'm just one little humble bitcoiner trying my best to fit in where it makes sense um you know, i've found myself to just be a bit of a fill the gap entrepreneur <laughs> oh there's no bitcoin event all right cool let's let's start that that seems important i think people want that i reckon i can figure out the skills and find the people who will help me with that so here we are but yeah, like it means a lot it's given me so much opportunity even coming from a perhaps if you want to say a luckier country you know I, i was able to take risk being younger of course and and having that foundation but bitcoin's given me that multiplier effect on on all of the activity and I'm I'm pretty certain like you said that wealth and all that sort of stuff will find itself in due course mm. as long as I'm you know kind of my philosophy is just trying to do the right thing by everyone and by by bitcoin by myself and everything else will kind of fall into place you can't really cheat the system I found so why why try um and that's fine cuz morally I don't want to cheat the system anyway um mm. if I did then I would have done that years ago I had heaps of opportunities to do that over the course of my life and I've kind of found out that I'm not like that so I'm not going to start now may as well stay true to that identity so yeah bitcoin's good it fits in nicely um i i can't cheat it it can't cheat me we can we can get along we can be friends <laughs> nice what yeah what a refreshing take lovely man what about you Dylan? Uh, cuz i don't even know when you got into the space I, I know we're a little bit short on time but um sort of how long you've been in the game and what does it mean to you yeah I game sorry i mean uh, some people are going to go oh god not game. It's not a game. It's real. <laughs> this this space, this field, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so I I graduated uni in 2010, you know, right after the GFC when when Bitcoin was born. And then I I kind of I studied engineering at uni, but I uh, moved into finance. So I kind of worked for about a decade now in in various parts of financial markets. I got into Bitcoin originally because uh one of one of my friends that I've known for a very long time I won't um drop names but um was he was very very into Bitcoin and he still is extremely into Bitcoin and you probably probably have heard of him I think I know who you're talking about Yeah so he he was like yeah, you you should buy some Bitcoin and I was also uh into 
at that time things like um you know learning a little bit about austrian economics and and libertarianism and and things like this but yeah so i did buy bitcoin back in 2013 i just didn't really learn enough about it at that time i ended up selling it 2016 when i was in europe and i i was backpacking and i ran out of money and i needed to buy more beer so you know you win some you lose some i guess uh so and then back in 2020 like many of us i guess i i went fully down the rabbit hole as they say but this has all been driven to me because going back to say 2013 14 era when i started working in finance and and having my experience of going through the gfc i was fascinated with all that stuff and then i started reading like every michael lewis book that i could get my hands on and i started reading um uh nasim taleb's books um you know black swan and and fooled by randomness and, and things like that. And, and that uh, really opened my eyes to how the financial world works and, and a little bit as to how, how the fiat money system works, even if I didn't fully get it. But I, one thing I did get was that the people who owned assets benefited from money printing. And, and over time, people who owned assets would just get richer and richer and richer. And if you didn't own any assets, you would get poorer and poorer and poorer. And this has been evident since since the GFC, really. It's been the, the key characteristic of, of the financial system, right? I, I kind of, back then, I kind of lumped Bitcoin into just the bucket of assets and didn't really understand the difference between Bitcoin and all the other assets that you could put your money in. Um, so that's why I, I bought Bitcoin alongside gold, for example. I thought they were roughly the same, um, mm. not that Bitcoin was you know exponentially better. So I guess what, what Bitcoin really means to me is probably the easiest way and the best way for people to escape even just a little bit from this fiat system where people who own the assets get richer and richer, like the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. Income inequality, that's the way it's going, the way it has been going, the way it will continue to go. That's a fundamental characteristic of the, the fiat system. And a lot of people ascribe that incorrectly to capitalism. It's not capitalism that does that. It's it's like crony capitalism, and it's the uh, the way that money is created through the issuing of debt that gives benefits to the people who get that debt and get to use that debt first. So to me, it's it's um, very much of a economic, or it started as as an economic thing first. Bitcoin is a way for anyone anywhere on the planet to kind of escape that without having to expose themselves to the management risk of, of a company or to, you know, if you want to buy a house or an apartment, you need to actually have a lot of money first. If you want to buy gold, you need to figure out what to do with that, where to, where to put it. You can only buy like, you know, a tiny amount costs like a thousand bucks, but Bitcoin, you can buy a small amount if you want. Uh, anyone can do it just on the internet. So yeah, uh, I guess that's that's kind of where where I've come mm. to Bitcoin from, and I've really kind of opened my eyes since then to to basically since 2020 learn absolutely everything I possibly can about um, Bitcoin. And since since then, I, I kind of worked roughly in in the infrastructure market and and energy markets. I've been obsessed for four years now with Bitcoin mining and and how that plays out in the um, you know how that interacts with energy grids and that's based probably the most fascinating thing about bitcoin to me awesome 
And yeah, I, I, I couldn't agree more. The more you, the more you go down the rabbit hole, the more you uncover, it's just this thing that continues to give and there's so much to learn and you never feel like you are at the end. You know, Chris, you've been in there since 2013. You say, I'm still learning. I've been involved since, I guess, early 2020. That's when everything dawned on me, kind of like you, I guess, um, the second round didn't. And um, yeah, I think I suppose in, in sort of summarizing what you're both talking about, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a fair system and it's a way for people to opt out and preserve their purchasing power, their stored energy, because inflation is theft. And by printing more money, prices go up, asset prices go up. And as a result, they become more and more out of reach of ordinary people. And, and you know, I've been saying to my quote-unquote progressive friend, you should be all over this like a rash because you don't understand how powerful this is. Like, if you want to empower people, like, teach them about Bitcoin because once they understand it, it'd be like, you can just if you've got positive cash flow and you can you know keep a little portion aside and get that into bitcoin and hold it for long periods of time you'll be richly rewarded otherwise it's it's difficult to have hope in many respects boys i've really appreciated this chat it's um i'm, I'm super looking forward to bitcoin alive the first conference i wasn't as familiar with all the people in australia now that i've sort of further entrenched and put my tentacles into the space and started a pod and all that i've got even more friends than I did last year. And it's like, oh, I can't wait. Absolutely pumped. Actually hoping we can put together some sort of like group Airbnb and have some sort of reckless party afterwards. So yeah, I think that right. happened. I think that happened last yeah. year. It did. So I, 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 crashed, I, I crashed it. <laughs> I crashed the party. Oh, there you go. There you go. Yeah. You'll, you'll, you'll find yourself wherever it might be. You'll find yourself there with an entry ticket, I'm sure. But yeah, maybe maybe we maybe it's a good time. We, we dropped the news. Uh, I don't think we've actually said this anywhere else publicly but you know it by the time this perhaps leaks into uh the the mainstreams then maybe it'll coincide or maybe it'll beat it but um you know we're stoked to to be able to announce dale is the, the one and only dale he's coming on board as one of the mcs for bitcoin alive 2024 so we're Ooh. absolutely thrilled to have dale stoked doing that for to be us involved, boys. you're gonna and kill a, it man real, it's gonna be really real fun privileged like i feel super blessed i was a Likewise. lot part in a bubble bath some years ago and i found my people <laughs> so i'm fucking pumped <laughs> uh, i love that one i've never heard that before yeah no <laughs> i'm I'm so excited for it no it's going to be so much fun and i just can't wait to talk to normies because i've got like my i don't want to my elevator pitch is getting quite sharp just trying to explain the key principles in simple terms and yeah, it's it's going to be absolutely magnificent. Well, Do we're going to give you a mic now, so you're going to have an even better chance to oh, yes. do orange pilling. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Do either of you have any closing words? Of course, I'm going to put. I'll put all the details in the show notes. You know, the website, the dates, etc. We're probably now um, by the time this comes out, we'll be less than two months away. So, yeah. Do either of you have any closing or parting words of wisdom? Oh, just. Thanks. Thanks for having us on the show, of course, Dale. Um, it's awesome to have have a chat with you. Always love having a chat with you. And I'm looking forward to getting getting together in person, um, either at Bitcoin Alive or, or sometime sooner, if possible. But look, yeah, we welcome everyone to come along if they can to Bitcoin Alive, March 23rd. I, you know, I dare say keep keep that whole sort of week time frame free. Um, there's a lot of stuff going on in Bitcoin land. Um, you've got the bush bash the weekend before. So if you're in Victoria or if you've got the capacity to to attend in Victoria, in Beechworth, I'd suggest 
highly going to the Bitcoin Bush Bash in Beechworth. That'll be fantastic. Then that week leading up into Bitcoin Alive is going to be obviously really awesome and really mega. We've got a bunch of side events in the works, in the plan. So um, if you're coming from interstate, at the moment, recommending trying to get there if you can on the Friday with, you know, penciling in a special event on the Friday night, which we can't yet announce, but hopefully we can announce very shortly if all things go to plan. But yeah, look, just come along, let us know what you want to see. If you've got some feedback, we'll try to obviously um, incorporate it into the agenda and into the day. We can't achieve everything. Our budget is fairly slim and we're very much still a startup and we're largely self-funded and, you know, that can gives us constraints to what we can and can't do of course but we try to try to do whatever we can to make all of the attendees happy of course but yeah we are just absolutely thrilled to hopefully meet as many of your listeners there at bitcoin alive if i haven't met them before um it's going to be an absolute banger of a day like i'm so excited everyone that was there last year knows how cool and how fun it was you know we're not resting on that we want to increase our offering um so you know we got some pretty pretty fun things planned awesome any any wise words? Do you want to add anything there? Tickets are on sale now. Tickets are on sale now. <laughs> Don't yes, right. of course. Bundle tickets as well. If you want to buy two, three, four, five tickets, uh, you get discounts for the for the more tickets you buy. Um, Round up your friends. Yeah. Yeah. Save Sorry, yourself some yeah. sats. We're all about help, trying to help you save some sats. So and you can pay um, in sats as well if you want. You can pay in sats if you would like to pay in sats. We will accept that, of course. Um, of course, lovely. And my last question to you guys is, are you going to be playing the Bitcoin Pump It Up track and have us dance on stage or something like that? Is that something we can maybe arrange? Because I couldn't imagine anything better. I mean, you'd have to turn around, Chris, because the price might be flashing somewhere. But that's, my, that's <laughs> what I'm imagining. I think things could go things could go apeshit between now and the conference. So I'm absolutely <laughs> pumped. I look at my, it'll be a headline, of course, if someone like, takes a photo of like, you know, a couple of hundred Bitcoiners all dancing with their arms in the air and the music saying, <laughs> pump it up. Um, <laughs> and the price is just going like, you know, left to right. But yeah, look, we, we, it'll get weird and wacky. Um, there was some like impromptu music sessions on the lounge mm. with, with Knut and a few others, which uh, was, really, yep. was really fun. And there's, there's just all random little moments like, the after party house stuff that you were talking about for, for those handful of crazies that want to get into that stuff. There's going to be something for everyone. So looking forward to seeing you know, all of the, all the people that are interested in Bitcoin and in Australia and, or nearby to Australia, we want to obviously cater to, to New Zealanders and to Southeast Asian um, residents and, and abroad. I mean, it's, it's for everyone. We're trying to put Australia on the map in terms of Bitcoin conferences. You mentioned a few earlier Bitcoin Miami, which is now moving, I think, to Nashville. You've got the Amsterdam one. You've got Prague one, mm. um, Pacific Bitcoin in LA. There's all these big named Bitcoin conferences all around the world. But um, you look at our part of the world and there isn't really anything. So, you know, we've will be. We've, we've planted the flag. We've said, okay, well, Bitcoin is alive here. There's something going on. It might not be 15,000 people yet. Um, it may never be 15,000 people, but gosh, that would be absolutely mayhem, 15,000. I don't know if I want that, but that'd be great. It'd be It'll obviously happen. good to see. Maybe It'll it will happen, happen, guys. You've planted the seed. I'm really <laughs> proud of you both in the sense that someone took the lead. It's wonderful to see that. And last year, I thought it was an absolute success. I think this year will be even better. Kudos to you guys, as well as uh, the lady who pulls it all behind the scenes, Jess. And yeah, I guess to, to anyone who's listening, who's managed to get through this far, do yourself a favor. 
Get along there. It's definitely the one event that I highlight as probably the one that you don't want to miss, at least here in Oz. Absolutely high signal. If you just want to come across and meet some really high integrity, high signal, awesome people, come along because uh, you won't regret it. And if anyone's listening from overseas and you've been thinking, I want to go to Australia. Australia looks crazy. There's spiders. There's, oh, you're not going to have an Aussie accent, will you? But come along. <laughs> awesome dudes. Appreciate your time. And uh, I wish you the very best for the conference. Uh, although I do know it's going to be a success. Thank you so yeah. much, Dale. Thanks for Thank having you, us on, on the pod. And we're looking forward to having you part of the, the Bitcoin Alive experience this year. One way too. All right. Cheers, boys. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you got some value out of it. Either way, hit me up on Twitter and let me know what you think. My handle is Dale21M. If you've got any suggestions as to people you think I should be talking to or topics I should address to, I would love that sort of feedback. Otherwise, if you want to support the show, there's a couple different ways you can do that. The first is just to share it amongst your friends and family. The more that people hear the message that Bitcoin and crypto are not the same thing, the better. And I want to help people understand that. The second thing you can do is give me a five-star review on whichever podcast app you're using. Of course, that's only if I deserve it. And last but not least, if you want to stream Satsmoe via the Fountain app, I'm not going to say no, but it's not expected. Thank you so much for your support thus far. It means the world to me. I appreciate the hell out of you and the best is yet to come. Much love, friends. I'll see you on the other side.